Welcome to Machine Learning. You know, this week was uh, challenging, but I spent a lot of time working on uh, building a search engine. And uh, what I want to do is build a search engine that uses uh, deep learning nets to find topics, to find relevant information, and particularly to answer the two questions, how and why. Um, in the past, what I've done is I've used syllables to pattern match on words looking for nouns. But then, um, I saw you could scrape a site, Scott, you could scrape a site using Python and um, get the bag of words and then from those bag of words look to see which one of them have certain number of syllables and that could be an indicator of a potential noun so uh, using a histogram you could see you know which which words distributions have um, what number of syllables and that would give you a probability of likelihood that it's a noun and then then what I'd have to do is look at those words and uh, determine whether or not they really were a noun and build a list of words that I wanted to exclude that were not were not nouns and then I use those nouns in my search engine um, and so if it if it matched up to a noun that I had in my search engine, then it would find find the words that I had indexed um, for those paragraphs, and that that worked out pretty good. I mean, I could ask uh, uh, different types of questions, and then I could look to see uh, what words were available, and then match that to sentences, and, and that by itself was an okay alg algorithm. But uh, now that I'm getting into deep learning, I'm wanting it to understand more context, and I'm wanting it to also figure out um, what sentences might relate to each other and find similarities in the data. So that, that becomes a new algorithm. And what I'd like to do is Put that into a Keras deep learning pipeline and have the uh, deep learning find the features in the data and not only that but maybe create a pipeline of deep learning nets and maybe put them each on a hardware box and have them communicate and route information between each other so you could create almost like a reinforced learning net where uh, maybe on the outside you have a reinforced learning net and it has a goal and it, it look, goes through the different networks looking to see if it can find information that might help it advance it towards a goal so a reward if it, if it uh, finds certain information in one network and maybe a a penalty if it uh, doesn't so it avoids other networks when it's uh, trying to obtain a certain goal so I'm thinking about like a unique form of 
traversal through the data, kind of like almost like a spline curve, um, where it, it's looking at different networks to see if it will uh, help it advance towards its goal. So that's a, that's kind of the high level um, vision of the of the search net, and then and then. Um, looking at content so one of the things that uh, I noticed about content and it's true that a lot of people are not reading as much but but uh, um, I would say that the technical people are reading more than ever um, because you just have to there's just no way to communicate the degree of information verbally as is you can communicate in written form so you have to be able to read to do anything technical. And um, um, I know I, I spend a lot of time each day reading what other people have done and then thinking about it and then trying it. Um, so I also know that reading is a critical skill set that is necessary for you to have a professional career and I just really doubt that there are engineers that don't read um, just not the way the world works you have to be able to read so one of the things that I have found is that it's hard to find really good content that is at the level that you want now Google does a pretty good job at finding relevant content to your search but it doesn't necessarily find really good content um, and so you you know you're you're searching for a certain answer to a question and you get you know you get a website that's based on its popularity and rank and then you look at the answers but it doesn't necessarily bring up the best website on that topic and so how would you find the best website on that topic? Well, uh, you, could, uh, you could use Python, uh, again, to, uh, to find the website. So you could go, uh, let's, say, you know, let's say that there's a billion websites. So you, you run your, your Python against a billion websites, and then it figures out which websites uh, are not relevant to the topics that you're interested in. So you have, a, you have to have a way to filter out what the noise. And that is the big problem on the internet right now is there's just a lot of noise. And uh, so one way to do that is by the flesh and gunny um, technique. And so you can run that against those algorithms and rate it to see what level of literacy that this website has. So if it's all operating at a sixth grade level or, or less, you're probably not interested. But uh, maybe the threshold is high school and above. So you pull the websites in that are high school and above, and those become the websites you're interested in. So that narrows it down, and then you remove any of the websites that 
have dangerous content. And that's one of the um, things about the web that's really been bad is that there's so much content that um, has been dangerous that how do you remove all that content from your search engine so that you're not accidentally moving over there. So there's different ratings that uh, you know the site can have. Um, and you'd have to find the website that looks at that siting to figure out which websites that you know you, you can't index. And then you also have to look at the sites that don't want to be indexed by the robots. And so there's there's all that you know there's all those factors involved. So what I was thinking is rather than a search engine uh, that goes out and tries to build the content for um, the your your search engine is that you look at it from an internal perspective so let's say you've got documents and uh, you're looking for a way to index all those documents so let, let's say you're using Word Word and Excel um, Google does have a search engine that you can apply to local documents and and have it do searches that way. And um, that would be an acceptable um, way to solve the problem. And so then, then you build a, a search engine for finding content that you might be interested in. Um, almost like a LexisNexis, um, where if you were, let's say you were looking at court cases and you wanted to find all the different uh, cases that might be related to encroachments, and you would want to figure out what the case precedence is. If you had a, a good search engine uh, that could figure out what the case was about and classify it into different categories then when you say okay if you're you're doing a search on land property then you know it would narrow it down to a certain number of cases that were related to land property uh, rights and perhaps uh, then you would correlate that with government so it would have to be land property and government uh, uh, rights of preemption and so then you would narrow that down into those cases. And then if it had the ability to summarize what the case was about, then you could read, you know, short paragraphs uh, about each one of the case. And then, then if that was something that, you know, you found was relevant, then you could drill down into it. So there's that, there's, um, that approach. The other approach is, um, that I've seen is, that's been really poor is, customer service where you have a large amount of technical content and again you have this technical content is a lot like Stack Overflow so you almost need to have your data in a wiki form and uh, and it you can see what other how things were fixed by other customers and you can read the case histories if you want um, and try to find something similar, a similar problem to what you're trying to help solve with the customer. So there's that, that approach. And then there's the other one where um, you're looking at, you know, more deterministic 
things like profile information about their policies and things like that, where you need to find that in the system quickly. So it would navigate you to the the proper screen. So it should tell you how to get there. And maybe it's really only one click away. You know, in that case, uh, you know, the navigation is not an issue. But if it were several layers deep and it was hard to find, then uh, the AI would be really helpful in uh, showing you navigation paths that could be useful in your in your search for the data. So if you define this, if you would define intelligence as the ability to search, then a search engine really is the next generation where uh, that you need to have that search engine before you do natural language processing. So uh, you could ask the computer a question, like uh, what is the temperature? And then the computer would, would uh, uh, analyze your sentence, it would get parts of speech, it would determine that there, there was a, a noun, verb, or a proper noun, verb, uh, maybe a, a, a direct object or a noun, and then it would analyze those proper verbs to see um, what the what what type of domain or category you're looking at, and it would look at the verb to see what type of action you wanted it to take. You know, where if you said what, it, it is an inquiry, so it could say, okay, the user is asking for an inquiry. And so then it knows when you do a query, it's gonna run a particular task, which is an uh, API lookup to a temperature, okay? Then you could also ask a natural language processing, like how do you plant asparagus? So in this particular type of query, it's looking for a particular word of how. And so how is content that is very procedural. So in, in your indexing of your content, you could separate it into procedural explanations and uh, why or philosophical explanation. So the more the, something is philosophical, longer sentences, more complex sentence structures, that is an indication that they are explaining reasons. And so you can look for key words in the content that could indicate justifications, the reason why, because of, um, let me explain, I think, here are the reasons. Okay, there are, um, so you can look at keywords that are used in speech and debate, and uh, those could be signals that an explanation is occurring. And also look at the length of the sentences. So if your average length of the sentences in an explanation is larger, that's also a good indication uh, that is an explanation. And then if you look at the number of sentences per paragraph, if, uh, if it exceeds a certain threshold, that also might be an indication 
of an explanation. So that would answer the why questions. So then you have two, two groups of data that you're separating. One is procedural data that would answer how, and one that is uh, philosophical or explanation, explanatory data, which would answer the question why. So you run those that process through your pipeline and you add that as a classification. So when, when the natural language processor at, detects that you ask a why question, you're going to go to uh, more of a, you're going to eliminate all the how type of responses and then you're going to look for more philosophical answers to that. And, uh, you know, you, you could run it through an analyzer that looked at the sentiment, whether it was a negative sentiment on that paragraph or positive. And so then you could do things like a pro and con. Like, Bob says it should be this way, but Jim says it should be that way. Okay. And uh, so the computer could do comparison in from based on the content and its sentiment. Lots of interesting things that uh, machines are capable of today just using the existing technology. We have sentiment analysis. We have, uh, we have tokenizers. So one, one of the interesting things that you do when you're analyzing words is you do word frequencies. So you take the, the words in the, in the paragraph and you count the number of words and then you vectorize them. And vectorizing basically, um, creates a 2D vector of X and Y on a uh, Cartesian plot. And then using a sine equation, you calculate the angle between the vectors. So lar it's thought that larger vectors mean between the words mean a higher, a higher correlation. And so then you can pass in your list of words that you're searching for into those particular domains of either procedural or explanatory. And then it would look to see if any of those words uh, would correlate too closely to, the, to a paragraph where those words are happening uh, more frequently. And then it would then raise those paragraphs to the top. But kind of like an, uh, the way the brain does it, you know, you hear something and then you think about what you know and then uh, uh, you recall some of the content and then you also have some summary conclusions about that content that have form in the response of opinion. And that might be something that a, a computer is really good at is it takes the content and then it reduces that content down into one summary sentence of what it's about. What is this paragraph that has 4,000 words in it about? And then the machine responds back to you, like in a kind of a summary form, that this is about how to plant asparagus in Idaho where the temperatures are not are just just right for uh, growing asparagus and that might that might be the summary that the, the machine responds back to you
And so we've got a culture now where we're expecting to hear responses back that are helpful from the machine, not just regurgitation of data that uh, um, is being read by a voice synthesizer, but data that is been analyzed and condensed and useful. So the real shortage is not now data um, computing, but it is data. You know, how would we collect more data, bring that data uh, uh, into a condensed form, and then bring that uh, to the end user through voice. And so in artificial stupidity, we said that their AI is basically network and which we call deep learning networks and, and uh, reinforced networks and you know anything that's routing data around um, and transforming it, we're calling that the network. Um, and also voice recognition. Those are the only two things that matter. Everything else um, is irrelevant. So with voice then, it would then, uh, you could use different Python packages for taking the uh, voice signals in real time, analyzing it, and then correlating those patterns to words. So there are already libraries that do that now fairly, fairly well. And that was kind of the big breakthrough for Siri is that, you know, it, it, it could recognize these voice patterns and then using some form of probability, um, look at the different parts of the words and make a prediction of what the word was. But with, with um, machine learning now, looking at the sentence structures, not only the words that are being said, but the sentence structure and whether it fits in the, a certain part of speech, it can determine if that word is a noun or an adjective. Like for example, I, I walked through the forest and I saw a bear. Okay, bear is a noun. Or if you then say, um, it's hard to bear your cross when things are going wrong. That changes, uh, bear in that case, changes its context to um, believe it an adverb. Okay, so or maybe it's an adjective, but uh, um, it changed the same word, but it's used in a different context, and so then the machine has to know. Okay, in one case he used a noun, and in the other case he used an adverb or an adjective, and. Uh, and then with an adjective, he may just say, okay, well, I'm sorry that uh, you had such a hard time. Um, or with a noun, it would say, oh, would you like to know more about bears in Idaho? Okay, so just kind of like with human beings, we, we listen to what people are saying and then we try to figure out context of what they're saying, what they, the, if they're asking us a question or they're making a statement. If they're making a statement, 
um, they'll need to respond. But if they're asking a question, then we need to think about what the context of that question is. And then we need to narrow it down into uh, clues about the context and then think about and then extract out information that might be relative relative to those categories and domains of knowledge. And that's where deep learning networks is, is important in my search algorithm because deep learning networks have the ability to build ensembles, ensembles. And the ensembles discover features in the data or categories and they can, sh they can be used to highlight how one um, set of dates, paragraphs might relate to other paragraphs. So they find correlations. So not only do they find, okay, there's the groupings and this topic is about uh, wildlife in Idaho and these following paragraphs or pages or documents relate to that. And so, you know, you, you run through a lot of computational cycles, finding that content, but then once it finds that content correlation, then it can bring those similar documents together and um, then using a summarizing technique, uh, you can then condense that down into something that's useful. And so you're getting these really relevant, high quality content and you know perhaps that they're at the high school level so you know you the proper grammar and sentencing and structure paragraph structure writing um, and so it's, it's it's very useful you read it and you go oh that was really informative you know and uh, those are the type of, of uh, responses that really make you feel good about uh, um, make you feel good about your search engine all right so that's that's kind of my thoughts on search engines and and uh, where I want to go and you know it'd be good, kind of interesting to see if uh, if I could you know build this and, and talk to Google about it and then you know be able to implement some of the hardware that would be necessary to make this thing scalable um, in a large sense, but if not, you know, utilizing it from possibly just from a server that could be used for indexing documents. But as I remember when I was uh, out of college, there was a uh, let's see, what was it called? Uh, Next page. And what it did is it was kind of interesting, it, it built a non structured database of all the words and it was super fast like if you if you did a query you know you get instantaneous uh, hits on the data and so you took word documents and then it ran it through uh, their indexer and they created it into a non-structured format and then you you know you could just do keyword search on that non-structured data and it was just super fast uh, to find results, you know, and it could be things like uh, that, you know, you 
could put spreadsheets in there and it could index that. You could put Word documents, text. It didn't do anything with images, but uh, you know, it, it could handle massive amounts of data. So you could put all your legal documentation in it. You could put all your real estate information in it. Anything that had to do with um, agreements could be put in to um, next page and, and indexed. And so I worked on a project where um, I indexed leadership hierarchies. So if you were looking for a certain person, you could put their name in and you could then see uh, where they fit in the organization. And then you could put, uh, you could do bullying logic. So you could combine that with maybe their location where they lived or their occupation or their education or whatever, whatever information that was stored in the, in the system that had been indexed could be uh, found. And so it was an amazing tool in terms of looking to find information and uh, having a query of, of uh, bullying logic type operators of either inclusion or exclusion for finding, uh, finding particular matches. And, and so it, you do have kind of the need when you're dealing with natural language processing to have a Boolean-like feature that uh, the natural language processor can understand. So, for example, you could say, you know, I want to, I want all the uh, gas gas stores. Find me all the gas stores. Okay, so find is an is a verb. It's requiring an action. So, find me all of the gas stores that uh, are in Idaho but not in Jerome. Okay, so then you've got, uh, you've got a, a exclusion condition. So it, it goes through, it does a API search to the database. It does a retrieval of gas stations as the, the entity. So it knows, okay, this is an entity. And, uh, and, uh, and it looks to see if it has an API for handling that entity. And so it identifies the entity and it does. And then it, it retrieves back uh, the gas stations for Idaho, gives you a list. And then it removes all gas stations in the city of Jerome. So there you go. Is how, again, fitting into my hub idea of, of organizing data as the hubs become entities and then you would have to use either inclusion or exclusion bullying operators to uh, filter your data. And so natural language processing could yield very well to data warehouses and uh, self-generating SQL algorithms that use data hubs that explain the relationship of the data as it is related to relational databases. So similar to the way our brain organizes data, we have entities. And when we think of those entities, we associate two particular data that are related uh, structurally to that uh, the entity in a uh, discrete and deterministic way. 
So it doesn't just have to be non-structured data. We can also put structured data in our query results also and produce relevant data back. And, and you see that happening with Siri when you ask it questions about restaurants or gas stations or businesses near you. It uses your GPS and then it, it calls its API and using this deterministic data which it has stored uh, is able to retrieve back a list of of, uh, of stores or restaurants or uh, but you know it, it's really interesting it doesn't tell you like when you're at a store if you say hey Siri what are the bargains for today at uh, Walmart it can't tell you that so I think it misses out on a big portion of the usefulness is that it is not bringing data directly to the consumer and uh, if you could bring more data directly to the consumer then that might be and not push the data because that's annoying when things are being not constantly do you want this do you want this do you want this I mean it's like uh, you know it's like a kid who uh, it's like dad can I can I buy this? Dad, can I buy that? Dad, can I buy this? And you're like, son, I only have so much money. But, uh, or the famous line that my mom would always say, money does not grow on trees, Johnny. That was always a funny line uh, in our family. And one year, she gave my sister a money tree and uh, to contradict that statement, that money doesn't grow on trees. So it was a lot of fun and good memories. All right. So natural language processing is the future. And, uh, you know, the companies that uh, are going to think about it, not just throw out relevant, irrelevant data, but really get good quality results back to the user and don't waste the user's time by having to make them sort through the stuff that's Spanish or uh, fake, but actually uh, producing high-quality results back from experts in their field or uh, information that is very useful, I think is going to be the win in the 21st century because we have smart machines now with, as a result of smarter algorithms. <clears throat> We're doing much more uh, complex functionality we're automating decisions and that that capability needs to flow into our smart devices uh, so that we can interact with our data in a smarter and more useful way because the world uh, in some ways is becoming more isolated due to COVID but in the other aspects it's becoming more interconnected because machines are finding and searching for data that we are interested in. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, the, the vision and, and goal um, that I think in the future for intelligent searches will be. And, uh, you know, right now those intelligent searches are done by human beings. But why couldn't the machine do a comparable search at a, a comparable level of quality and return back information uh, that's been filtered at least as well as any human expert. That's my question.
that's my question to Google too, is why can't they do that? And, uh, and not allow these malicious sites that the Barracuda is warning, warning that, uh, you know, this is a malicious site. Why can't Google do that in its search engines? Well, I think it's because mainly they're, they're lazy or number two, it costs too much to do the filtering. But as a result, I think they damage their reputation by allowing any malicious data to come to the user. And that's just a product of a poor indexing system. And so they, there is a need for an improvement on Google's side. Or the next generation of search engine, which will produce higher quality results, will displace it. And so they cannot use uh, market presence and money as the barrier because technology will disrupt that when something comes along that is better because the consumer will see that it's better and that they will uh, then begin to support that technology. And as they support that technology, then uh, that will draw in funds and there will be a redistribution of wealth. So there's never any time in our history where wealth is being redistributed as fast uh, as a result of innovation as now. So more money, uh, new money is being created as a result of these disruptive technologies. You know, even when you look at Spotify, uh, which, you know, sponsors my podcast, it's, uh, it's you know, it used to be People will listen to Pandora, and uh, and now they're listening to Spotify, and so Spotify has become very large, um, and it's captured the attention of big companies. Um, look at LinkedIn, you know, professional uh, a network of professionals, and it's now becoming a a leader in content and. Um, and so uh, whatever technology and search engines become improves quality will be the next generation and i want to be part of that